Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise God. Everybody just lift your hands and say, thank you, Father. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. And say these words, let them register on your heart because they're words of life. They contain the power that raised Christ from the dead. Say, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm not the person I used to be. When I became a Christian, I became a brand new person on the inside. The man, the person I really am, the person on the inside is full of the same life, the very same life that raised Christ from the dead. Heaven filled, devil defeating, sickness destroying, life of God is in me now. Right now. Right now. He that hath the Son has life. I have received the Son of God. I have received the life of God. Healing life. Restoring life. Freedom from sin life. Freedom from sin life. Thank you, Father. Thank you for my new life. In Christ Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Now just out of your spirit, begin to thank him in other tongues. Just be real strong in it. Just be real strong. The Bible says when you pray in an unknown tongue, you edify yourself. Another translation says you improve yourself. You need a little improvement? Just go ahead and just pray in other tongues right now. And just do it. Just let it be strong in it. Just let it come out with strength. Because the spirit, the man you are on the inside is strong in the Lord. And it will cause that strength to just spread throughout your mind and your body. And cause you to be able to renew, exchange your weakness for his strength. Thank you, Lord. We go from strength to strength. We break through barriers and roadblocks. We will not be stopped, but we pursue the higher places of the plan and purpose of God. We go forward in faith, and we will not be silent, but we will proclaim and lift up our voice, and we will release our faith in the very power and the very life of God that's in us now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Thank you, Lord. This is the day. Oh, this is the time. Oh, we will not hesitate. We will not be delayed. Oh, we take a hold. We take a hold in the spirit. We take a hold by faith. Shake it off in the name of Jesus. And we go forward in faith in God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh 
soul, forget not all his benefits. He heals all our diseases, forgives all our iniquities, crowns our life with loving kindness and tender mercies. So our youth is renewed like the eagles. We will run and not be weary. We will walk and not faint. You brought us out of the miry clay. You set our feet on the rock to stay. You put a song in our mouth. We will not be silent, but we will declare the praises of our God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's a good day to rejoice. It's a good day to rejoice. My mouth is filled with singing. The Bible says of Abraham, that he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. You feel a little weak in faith this morning? Well, let's get, let's make that faith. Let's exchange it for strong faith. Just by giving glory to God. Refusing to be moved by what we see. But believing in the promise of God. That he will do exactly what he's promised. We, he, he, we are confident that he who has spoken will perform what he said. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Oh, you're the same. In me, you're the same in me. Nothing's changed, no. Consecrated you, the anointing. He smeared you with his presence. A heavenly oil is flowing all over you. 
remember, with us, it's not just like in the old when it came up on, but it's within and pushes itself out. So you are anointed. <laughs> oh, you are anointed. You are anointed. You're in that place that looks so hard. You're anointed to be there. Oh, in that place that seems like, well, I don't know how it can change. Oh, the anointing destroys the yoke. The fatness of his presence, the greatness of his ability destroys that. So, <laughs> so you're all right. I was reading a little book. They said one of the three books that Brother Hagen carried besides his Bible. Everywhere he went, this was one of them. And she says, this woman, a missionary, never say I have pain or disease or doubt or other evil. She was well into her 70s <laughs> and going strong. Say I will, I will never have it. I'll not let Satan put that on me. I refuse to accept or recognize it. Continue to say I'm delivered. No matter how I feel or look, praise hastens the victory. Believe that it's done praise and rejoice not because it's going to be done but because it is done and you look for songs that help to uh, solidify that truth don't it's, sing something that would diminish the power of that truth because what you sing stays with you because it's done even though you cannot see it or feel it never relax until the victory comes she said this is one of my favorite things out of this book Faith is the evidence of things not seen. To believe only what you see and feel is not faith at all. A lot of people are here on faith, aren't you? <laughs> faith and fear both believe something. To believe only what you see and feel is not faith at all. See, people come up to me all the time after prayer lines and say, Oh, I, you know, I just, I don't feel it and I, and I don't see it. And, and I'm thinking... Well, you're in a good place to be in faith because it's not what you feel or see but the unseen faith where am I I know right there you are what did I say faith is the evidence of things oh to believe only what you feel and see is not oh yeah to believe only what you see and feel is not faith at all isn't that good Huh? I just read that. When you believe only what you see and feel, what is that? That is knowledge. That is knowledge. Faith never deals with anything but the unseen. And the unfelt. And the unfelt. You know, when you, when you walk by faith. That ought to make you happy. You really, you say, yeah, but it, <laughs> I can't see it and I can't feel it. But it may be unseen and unfelt, but it's not unreal. It's really what holds the worlds together. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, what was made, what is seen was made out of that which is unseen. So what do you think is greater? What's unseen? You know, every... You, what you see is unseen. <laughs> no. no. Huh? What you see by faith is unseen. Yeah. I see what you're saying. What you see by I faith see it. I mean, is unseen see it. to other people. 
Yeah. Like, you know, we look at the news, and I can hardly watch it anymore. But I don't look at it the same way somebody else does. Yeah. I look at it and go. You see the same thing, you oh just don't God. see it the same way. Open their eyes. They just can't see. Yeah. They just can't see. And when you're dealing with people in your churches and stuff, and your pastor's wives, you know, and, and you've been, and you've been sowing, and you've been standing, and you've been praying, and you believe in God, and, and your people have been coming in. and See, the whole point is you're trying to get them to see what you see. It takes time to put faith in people. It takes time. I'm telling you, I've been preaching this for years. I've been born again for years. I've preached this for years. And just yesterday, I said, it's amazing. I'm finally beginning to see. Thank God they are beginning to see. It's always the people that are with you that are the problem, you know. You guys can be seated if you'd like. (laughs) But it's the truth. I kept saying, my goodness, I'm really beginning to see it. How do I know? Because you begin to act it. I'll tell you how you know you're walking by faith. Mountains move. You say, what do you mean mountains move? Well, instead of the mountain or the obstacle determining what you, what, you know, instead of it moving you, you move it. You know, whatever moves you controls you. And so, you know, that the whole point, the reason that there's a mountain is the devil's hoping that that will be the last thing you see. And people will come to you and even, even people that, you know, that, that, you loved or or the devil or your own mind will come to you and try to distort that when you're trying to stand the best you know how with the knowledge that you have but if you'll keep if you'll keep sowing I don't care if it's four weeks four days four months forty years don't stop it's there the victory's there it really is it's there it's just what you see it that's why Paul kept saying I don't pray that you'll get something. I'll pray that you'll see what you already got. That's what Ephesians 1, 17 through 23 is all about. He's not same, praying for same, God same, to do something for you. Same power, same, same release, same release in the pit of hell. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's like a friend of ours said, Jesus just didn't come up out of hell going, Oh, Lord, I'm glad that's over. Oh, my back. Oh, man, that was hell. Laugh, it's her birthday. Lois thinks we need to tell people my age so we'll get a little bit of dignity. Tell if people knew how old you were, they might give you a little more respect. Everybody still calls us three kids. Glory to God. I guess it's because the way you act. But you know what? Some people try to change my personality, and I don't want anybody to It's funny. I think it's because we like to rejoice, and we like to (laughs) shout, and, you know, praise God a lot. And sometimes when people are like that, you know, and they'll eat, they rejoice real easy, they think that they're just ignorant. They're just stupid. They don't know enough to know that things are really a lot more serious than they, you know. Or you smile at people, you know, or you wink, or, you you know, you're just happy. You know, they think, well, you know, they're just, they're just, you know, immature. Well, they just don't know nothing. They don't know nothing. No, maybe we know. Something, something that maybe you ought to know 
You know, it's not true that that just because you, you know, actually one of the keys to understanding faith is rejoicing. Well, you know, I would have come to that meeting if I'd known Shekinah Glory had a bigger name or something. You know, oh, we got a big name. You got a big name. But you got to see things. You got to see things and you got to sense it in your spirit. You can't go by fleshly outward things. You got to know something in your spirit and sense it and see it and go toward it. Regardless of what, you know, the Lord can speak to you. He can speak. Hallelujah. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I really am. I'm serious. I was like her. I was weeping and, you know, praying the Holy Ghost. But you know, I'm serious about my laughing. I mean, I'm serious about this joy deal. You understand? Yeah. If I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. I'm serious about my running. Yeah. I'm serious about dancing in the Holy Ghost. I'm serious about it. I mean, it's saving my life. You better believe I'm serious about it. I'm serious about my praising, my worshiping, my praying, my rejoicing, my reading. I'm, ser- I'm serious about it. I take it very serious when I smile because Christians ought to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. Yeah. So if nothing else, I'll make myself smile. Hallelujah. Because I'm serious about it. Amen. One translation says, brighten up. Brighten up. Romans 12, he says, serve the Lord it says, with-, with enthusiasm. One translation says, you know, serve the Lord uh, 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 you know, how, as it says, be zealous, be, be fervent in spirit. One translation says, never lose your Christian zeal. You know, some people say, well, you know, those Pentecostals or those charismatics, they're just emotional. Or, you know, sometimes they'll say that about women, you know, we're just emotional. Have you ever read Paul's writings? I long to see you, my dear brother, and impart some spiritual gift to you. He, long, he said those words. I long to see you. We say those words and everybody goes, what's well, wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. I long to see you. I know when Heather and I first held each other when I came here, I longed to be in her presence. Couldn't wait. Is there something wrong? No, that's good. Amen. Read the Bible. Read the epistles how Paul wrote. And then all the men turned and were going around him and wept over him. The men wept. How about the Old Testament when they built, rebuilt the tabernacle again? And they said there was so much noise because of the shouting of the young people. Because, you know, the young, younger people, they just get real excited. Going, Yay! But there was crying of the older people because it was once again restored. Oh, God, we believed for that. Oh, we believed for that. Because they have a covenant. And we're not just emotional. You've got to understand something. We're enthused. You know, it's bro- called enthusiasm, not over something we've done, but over something God, God did, nailed it down, Amen. destroyed, I mean, every power, and thank God. So I'm saying, I don't care how long it takes you, keep looking for the victory because it's there. And don't let anybody stop you. Don't let anybody's words stop you. Don't let your own mind stop you. Don't let anyone stop you from looking for the victory because it's there. I was at a prayer meeting. It was with Billy Brim on the east, on the west coast once with Corinne Cardoza, a good friend of mine. And, and uh, we had to walk past this great big pool every day to come into the, to the, room, the meeting room. And someone said... Um, 
gosh, that pool looks great. You know, you, we, we could probably go swimming uh, if, it, you know, if we stayed an extra day or if it was real hot. And I said, what pool? And they said, well, Sydney, you've been walking past that pool every day. It's bigger. It's a mile long. How could you miss it? I mean, it was big. And I said, I've never seen that pool. And sure enough, I walked outside that door, and right there is the pool. You have to walk around the sidewalk. And I never even noticed the pool. And the Lord said, that's the way it is with my victory. It's right there all along. It's been right there all the time. He said, it's bigger. It's a mile. It's, I mean, you can jump in it. You can wade in it. It's so big, the whole world can get in it. That's how big that pool is. The whole world, whosoever will may come. The whole world. No, no one should come up empty-handed. It is so big. It is so big. And I went, oh, my gosh, that's big. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> so Jesus, you know, all that power that raised Christ from the dead and lifted him, put him, you know, to the right hand of the Father. Was it what Mark Hankins said one time? He said that he didn't have to get on the disciple's shoulder and push him up. If somebody could just give me a boost, I believe I can get to heaven. No. Same power Paul prayed that we would see it that's working in us. Isn't that something? Hallelujah. I mean, you know, what's, what's your uh, dime store here, you know, or your... Something that's not a cut above, but kind of... Kmart, you mean? Discount store. Discount store. Huh? Something, what? Mary's of Galway. Is it pennies? You know, something that's not, you know, like the upper... Pennies is pretty nice. Huh? Are you not speaking the same Irish here. to me? It's not the same. They're saying it's not the same. It's not the same. Oh, pennies is like Walmart here? Oh, really? Like, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I thought they were saying, well, Wolfstone, Wolfstone. <laughs> what do I sound like to you guys? And so, I, I mean, sometimes when I'm walking, you know, in this world and I'm looking at things, you know, I feel like a millionaire walking through pennies. I could buy the joint. I got so much. I'm so rich. You know what's impressive to me? Is a believer. That's the most impressive thing to me. That impresses me. A believer doing the will of God impresses me more than... I think they're fine. I think it's great. But I'm more impressed with a believer doing the will of God. I would rather sit with a believer that nobody knows than the most famous secular person in the world. The only reason I would want to sit with him is to win him to Jesus. And honey, I've been there. I've been with a lot of them. And you know what I did? I talked about Jesus. And they're all, well, I'm going, well, yourself. Because I won't back off. I don't care. I'm not impressed. I'm more impressed with what I have. Now that's impressive. <laughs> oh, devil stopping, hell busting, going to heaven, power. That's impressive. And that's what you've been stamped with. You've been branded with a bomb. Talk about a brand bomb. You got it. Ooh, glory to God. Romans chapter 5 says. If through the offense of one, many be dead, this is verse 15, 
much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, has abounded unto many. He says, let me just tell you something about what Adam did and what Jesus did. Adam, one man, caused many to die, but the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, has abounded unto many. I like what Stephen's translation says. The favor of God revealed in Christ is more than a match for the sin which began with Adam and spread itself over all mankind. More than a match, he says. Uh, listen, this other translation says this. Uh, uh, God's act of grace is out of all proportion to Adam's wrongdoing. God's free gift immeasurably, Weymouth says, outweighs the transgression. In other words, you put the transgression, the sin in Adam, and then you put the gift of grace in Christ, and you just put them right up together. And he says, when you, when you, you know, it's kind of like, when uh, uh, my husband and I first got married, we had a home. We bought, actually, uh, the first home we ever lived in together, I bought a rug that I put down the hallway of the home that we lived in, filled the hallway. I was so impressed. <laughs> and, you know, I had this nice rug in this, in this hallway. And a few years later, you know, my husband starts saying, you know, I believe there... You know, we started walking through this neighborhood that had full brick homes. And, and I didn't come from a family. that. In fact, you know, my family's never owned a home. Uh, it's just renter mentality, not ownership mentality, you know. And, and that was just one of the things the Word of God changed in me, ownership mentality. And so we had been walking through this neighborhood, and my husband starts saying, you know, I believe, you know, we, we need to check out. We might, I think we, we could live here. And I'm thinking, well, I'm glad I married him. <laughs> And so, uh, so anyway, make a long story a little longer. We ended up living in one of those big brick homes, you know. At first, we first started walking there through there, you know. I felt like, you know, somebody was going to tell me, what are you doing here? You don't live here. You're not supposed to be in this neighborhood, you know, because, you know, full brick homes. And you know, I was just thinking, you know, I just don't belong in this. Day. That's the way the devil does you. you yes, know? he does. He tries to make you think you don't qualify for that. Yeah. What do you think? Who do you think you are walking around like that? You know, he is an identity thief. Y'all know what identity thief is? Yeah. That's when, you know, someone else tries to act like they're, you know, they got your identity and they try to put all the bills that they make and they put them all on you and try to make you have to pay for everything, you know, that they're doing. That's exactly what the devil tries to do yes. to you. Yes. And you just got to tell no, 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 devil. No. You start talking to me about who you think I am. I'm going to start talking to you about who God says I am. And when you do that, the Bible says if you'll stand up to the devil, he will flee. That's what confession is all about. That's what faith is. Faith is a confession in what God has done. And when you start standing up to the devil with the word of God in your mouth, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, if you will resist him, he will flee. You got to stand up to him though. In fact, the, the God, the God, God told me not too long ago, don't take the fight out of faith. Don't make faith passive. You know what I'm saying? If you decide you want to be passive in faith, I guarantee you the devil is a bully and he will hit on you until you stand up to him. You're going to get a lot of bruises that way. I'm telling you, you're going to get knocked around and you're going to wish that you, you're going to get so di di discouraged and so weak. That's exactly how the devil wants you to get. You got to stand up to him. The Bible says in 1 Peter, steadfast in the faith.
steadfast in the faith. So anyway, we'd moved into this brick home and, you know, and, and it, it was a little bit larger than the home we had lived in before. And so I took that same rug and it was a hallway, you know, and going down the, to the bedrooms. And so I took that same rug. I thought, I already got a rug I need for my hallway. And I stuck it in that hallway. And when I put it in that hallway, it didn't even feel, I mean, it was just like, it didn't, it didn't look right because it was too small for that hallway. And I thought, man, I got the same rug. What's changed here? And I realized, well, I'm in a different house. You know, it's not, I'm not a real deep teacher. You got that. But then I thought about this verse. That's exactly what he was saying in Romans chapter 5. He says, here is the effect of one man's transgression. That's what happened in Adam. And here is the effect of what happened in Christ. And he said, the gift of grace far out measures out uh, the, 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 the effect of grace in Christ is more than a match for the sin that was in Adam. In fact, my favorite paraphrase, love it, says, the free gift that comes to us through Christ far exceeds any damage done to us in Adam's fall. And we look and we take that free gift and you say, well, what is the difference? It's not that you haven't had any problems or sin to deal with, but you're not looking at the size of the rug. You're looking at the size of the house. And now you're not in the place that you've made. You're in the place that Christ has made. And that swallows up the effect of sin. And it looks differently. It what seemed to fill your life up before now is seemingly no match for the plan and the purpose, the grace of God in Christ. Are y'all with me? Yes. You say, why are y'all so strong? That's why we're so strong. Because who Jesus is, who he was, he still is. And tomorrow he'll be the same. And the power of the truth of God's word is what's got a hold of us. And it's more than a match for the sin. Yeah, do this song. Listen to this. I, I have to tell them what to do. They can't do it without me. That's, that's, true. A, that's a lie. This oh, is the song. Oh, no, it's true. I can't do it without This song that we started singing years ago just helps you to understand. What did you do? That truth about who you are in Christ Jesus. I am a spirit. I am a spirit. Made in the image of my Father God. I'm going to teach you something. Never stop praising until someone has to tell you to shut up. Glory! Blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, Lord, for that law of life. Hallelujah. 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 I'll tell you why. You'll see miracles in your church. Make it so that your pastors, even when they approach the platform, there's so much praise. Oh, oh, and the stirring, you'll stir the waters. What does it do? It'll stir the waters for gifts. It'll stir the waters for miracles. Oh, We've seen more and more and more miracles, and I figured it out. It's because there's so much music. Oh, I'm giving glory to God. And always remember to lift your voice. Lift your voice. Always use your voice. You see, we're New Testament people. Oh, and we lift our voice, continually giving Him thanks. 
some have said, you know, but I haven't. But sometimes it's tough for me, and I, I, I don't always see what I what I what I want to see. Well, use your voice. Oh, just start lifting your voice. Put on a praise song, or you know, or or put on one of us. Put on one of our tapes. We're wild. We'll get you stirred. Oh, or just start just worshiping, or just praying in tongues. Get out of the natural, back into the spirit. Get out of the natural and get yourself in the spirit. See, that's the problem. We get in the natural, and that's why over in that realm, it doesn't look good. You're right, it does not look good. But you'll have to make yourself get out of that place. You'll have to make yourself. You'll have to make yourself use your voice. <laughs> and get back into that place in the spirit. And it's so see, it's so easy. And so close because see, he's alive within you. So whatever you do, when you sense yourself slipping back over to the natural, quickly get back over in the spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, and and. and and, and one day it'll just be as though it'll just be normal and natural for you. Oh, and, and you'll just you'll just be caught up with his presence. <laughs> and somebody in here, somebody in here right now, you said, Cindy, I, I you're just thinking this. I, I used to be there. But you know, just the cares of this world. Oh, Kimbo Rasikadisha. Have kind of have kind of pushed that down and, and because I'm not surrounded with words of faith and words of life, I have let that affect me more than the word. Well, you needn't be scolded today. You're just being reminded. He's very close. He's living within you. He adores you. Yeah, but I said this about that person, or I did this, or I had those, those thoughts. Well, join the club. But just get right back over in the spirit. Say, Lord, I, I repent. I resist doubt. I resist unbelief. Resisted in Jesus' name. I said, I resist you, doubt. I resist you, unbelief, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You're not my Lord. I resist you, and the Word of God says that you'll flee, so you can't stay. Now, you can lie all you want to, but I will not believe your lies. I believe the Word of the Lord. Because I'm complete in Christ, who's the head of all principality and power. Oh, and a, a contrite and broken heart is what is pleasant to him. And my heart is so humble before him. 
So you've come to this meetings and you'll be lifted up and you, oh, it'll be like night and day and it'll grow and increase and grow and increase and as you return back to your homes, all of a sudden you'll say something's different about me. But see, it's the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God hovering over you. <laughs> Ooh, hovering. You can't just yell with the word I say, Well, you've got a job to do. And we're so glad that you stayed with it. Because through your prayers and through your efforts and through your work, which you think was little, you've helped pave a way for a mighty move of God to come to Ireland. So today the Lord Jesus says, thank you. Thank you for standing. Thank you for trusting. Thank you for believing when it was sometimes so hard. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, my child. Thank you for not quitting, but trusting me. And because of that, there'll be a fresh anointing come upon you. Oh, and things will change. You'll see. But they're changing even now. Ha, 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 ha. See it? So, so, your work has not been in vain. <laughs> it never is when you're working for the Lord. That's who you've been working for. So keep loving the people. Keep a pure heart. Keep others as your focus. Hallelujah. You and you will finish strong. <laughs> Lois, you have something? scripture to Timothy who was a pastor and I think that it's one of those scriptures that anybody who's in uh, leadership needs to remember in 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 12 he said to a pastor someone who um, he was pastoring uh, Timothy was young he but he was uh, faithful to the call of God. And I'm sure he told him this because he had some resistance. He said to him in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. He said, fight. You know, and the Lord told me a few months ago, he said, don't take the fight out of faith. And when he said that to me, I realized he was, he was calling me to be more aggressive in what I believed he could do in my life. And uh, not take a defensive position, but take an offensive position. You know what I'm saying? 
defensive is you kind of just wait, you know, do nothing. And then when something happens, you know, the devil stirs up something or some kind of trouble comes up, then you react. But instead of being on the defense and, you know, you're kind of, when you act, when you live that way, your life is being shaped by whatever trouble happens. And that's, you know, kind of what's determining your path. But when you get on the offense, and you take the position, you're not the one. The devil's not uh, uh, the one running you around. You're running him around. Do you understand? The offensive position is the position you take as a Christian, not the defensive position. You understand? You're not looking for a, a, a fight, but you are in position to fight. In fact, look over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse, uh, verse 10. And as you look at this scripture, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, these are, these are, uh, this is the way you fight. When he says, fight the good fight of faith, then you get over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And he says to his, uh, to the church in, in Ephesus, finally, my brethren, finally, you know, aren't you glad when, a, when someone's talking and they say, now finally, <laughs> In conclusion, but this is what he says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now watch what he says. The very next scripture. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So he tells you to be strong in the Lord. And then in the next scripture, he says, be ready to fight. But what he tells you that puts you in the offensive is that you are strong in the Lord. And so you don't face a battle trying to get victory. You face a battle with a victory that's already been given. He says, be strong in the Lord. The word for strong there is the word that comes from the word uh, to means to make strong in dunamo, E-N-D-U-N-A-M-O-O. And it means to make strong, confirm, or strengthen. It's the word that's used to describe miraculous power. And then he, when he says in the Lord, he's saying that's the place that you find your strength. And it, it's like a container idea. And he said, God has made you his his container of his miraculous power that defeats the enemy when you stand in him. He says, be strong. He's, this is not a suggestion. Now, let's just, you know, uh, why don't you try being strong in the Lord? Uh, see how that works. He, this is not a, you know, suggestive uh, type of idea. This is a commanding, this is a no other alternative kind of sentence structure. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the way you do it. Strong in the Lord. Listen, if you hadn't come there yet, you will come to a place where all the ground is knocked out from underneath you except the ground that you stand in the Lord. And I mean in every part of your personality, every part of your life, the only ground you stand strong in is the ground that the Lord has given you. And he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, the manifested power, his supernatural power. And he, he says, uh, it's a position when he says, be strong in the Lord. It's not a position of defense. It's a position of offense. 
It's not a position that is trying to, you know, the devil's doing all this stuff and you're just trying to hold on. That's not it at all. The position is one of the Lord's mighty strength and you're doing the work of the Lord and you're doing what God's called you to do. And as you're doing it, yes, the devil's trying to stop you, but you're not being run around by him. You're running him out of town by doing the work of God. See, what you focus on will have a whole lot to do with where you end up. And if you focus on what the devil's doing, then you're going to, I'm telling you, you, you've only got so much time. You've only got so much energy. And if all you focus on is what the devil's doing, he'll keep you on the, in that, that, that realm, you know, that realm of trying to be defensive. And what will happen is you'll use up all your energy and all your time just trying to, you know, survive the attack. Instead of focusing on what God is doing and being strong in the Lord and not letting the, what the devil's doing be your prime focus, but letting what God's doing be what you know, you're focusing on. And when you get in that area, I'm telling you, it's just everybody else around you will think, well, you know, don't, I mean, they, I know, I know they got the so-and-so in their church and I know so-and-so's happened to them. I mean, you know, I know they got a reason to be sad. Why in the world are they acting that way? And you know, you may have the same issues that somebody else has, but you don't see them the same way because you're not on the defense. You're on the offense. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever heard them say, have you ever heard people say, you know, coaches, they'll say the best defense is a good offense. You ever heard that? In other words, you don't wait for the opposing team to do something. You go ahead and run your course and you do, you know the plan and the strategy of your team and you run it. And if you got a good offense, that's the best defense. That'll close down the opposing team closer than anything else, better than anything else. Are y'all with me? Now I want you to see this now because this is the position of someone who fights the good fight of faith. Someone who fights the good fight of faith. Look over. We read that scripture real quickly. First Peter chapter five. Look over there. First Peter chapter five says in, you know, you probably read verse seven a lot, you know, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Notice it's your care. He don't have any, (laughs) but he says, cast all your care upon him. He didn't say you didn't have any, but he said, I'll tell you where to put it. Just put it on him. Just give it to him. Cast all your care on him for he cares for you. And then look exactly where he says, goes right into be sober, be vigilant. I mean, this is serious. He said, be sober, sober up, take it serious. He says, be vigilant. That word is watchful. He says, because your adversary, how many of you know you got an adversary? I probably don't have to be a prophet. I bet you I could tell you every one of you in here, you either have had trouble, you are in trouble. Or you're going to have some trouble. That's just a fact of life. But listen to me. That trouble is, I always tell people, you might have trouble, but just make sure trouble doesn't have you. And that's exactly what he's saying. He said, cast all your care on the Lord for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Watchful. Because you have an adversary. You have an opponent. But let me tell watch, watch, watch what he tells you to do with him. You have an adversary, the devil. And he walks about like a roaring lion. I think it's interesting. He tries to make the loudest noise in your life. 
He wants to get the voice that determines what you're listening to in your life. Like a roaring lion, he walks about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for someone that he can start pushing around on. But look at what he tells you to do about him. He doesn't, he doesn't lighten up the subject that you've got an enemy. He doesn't disregard that. But he does focus on the power of what God has done. It puts you on the offense. It doesn't mean your enemy's not real. It just means what God has done for you fills up and is more than a match for than what the devil's done against you. And he says, he says, uh, he seeks, seeking whom he may devour. He says, resist him. That word resist literally means it's the same word that's used in Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 13 when he says, uh, uh, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. That word resist and that word stand that you may be able to resist in the evil day. That you may be able to stand. In other words, he's not moving you. And if he can't move you, guess who's going to move? He says, now this is what you do with this, this, this opponent that you have, this adversary that you have. You know, that word adversary is the word that describes what a prosecuting attorney tries to do in a good court case. Do y'all have that over here, prosecuting attorneys and, and you know... Uh, okay, you know what a prosecuting attorney does? He tries to bring up all the faults, all the failures, all, and he doesn't just bring them up once. He brings them up over and over and over. And I used to work for an attorney a long time ago, and he said, you know, even if you don't have a good case, just get real loud about what you do have and keep saying it over and over. And if you can say it long enough, you'll probably make them believe it. That's exactly what the devil does. And what are you supposed to do when he does that? Resist him. Stand up to him. One translation says, talk back to him. Woo, glory to God. Resist him steadfast. How are you going to talk back to him? In the faith. In the faith, you know, that, that indicates to me, if he's talking about faith, that it, you must have some knowledge of something other than what the devil's doing. Faith is a result of knowledge. It's a result of knowledge of what God has done. And how do you resist the devil? You resist him steadfast in the faith. In other words, you talk to him about what God has done. I want to tell you something. When I met Cindy in a nightclub in the in the uh, or 70, whatever it was, 6, 7, around in there, and we, you know, I was a Christian. I knew that Jesus Christ was my Lord. I always tell people I knew I had a home in heaven. I just didn't know heaven had a home in me. I didn't know the reality of what it meant to be a Christian. That it was not something was, I was just waiting in the sweet by and by. But right now, on the battlefield of life, with my adversary, the, with the, the devil, my, the adversary against me, I had the life that defeated him, conquered him, left him with nothing, nothing to bind me with. I have that same life in me now. 
And I began to find out the truth of what it meant to be a Christian. Who I was. I am a spirit. That song. Man, I'm telling you. That's one of those songs. As you sing that song. It goes through Romans chapter 6. Knowing this, our old man was crucified with Christ. It goes through Colossians chapter 3. I've died and my life is now hid with Christ in God. It goes to Romans 6. I've been crucified with Christ. And my real life, my true self is hid with Christ in God. And it just helps you understand the reality Of what you have as a Christian. What do you need to know that for? Because those are fighting words. That's what you speak to the devil. You look at him and you say. Devil I resist you in the name of Jesus. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Everything has become new. The very life that raised Christ from the dead is in me right now. And I stand against you with that life, healing life. The law of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You know, what's going to happen if you do that? Well, he says, resist him steadfast in the faith. And he says in James chapter, let me see here, where is it? James chapter, ah, James chapter 4 verse 7. Thank you so much. Therefore, submit to God. Look what he says. Resist the devil. James chapter 4 verse 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. One translation says he will run as in terror from you. Hallelujah. Look over real quickly. What time is it? Look over for 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel, I want you to see this real quickly here. Just a couple of things. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Is this, are y'all with me? Are y'all, y'all okay? In 1 Samuel chapter 17, real quickly here, because here's a good example. Here's one of the guys that got an Oscar for his faith in God. And this was actually the point in David's life that no matter where he went for the rest of his life, he was always remembered for this event. It marked his life. It marked the kind of person he was. Didn't mean he didn't have problems later on. We all, maybe you don't know, David had some pretty major issues. But yet, he did not let go of his faith in God. You know, my pastor, I love my pastor, Bob Yandy, and he said, you know, sometimes he said, I really think that God would rather you do the wrong thing with the right heart than do the right thing with the wrong heart. And, you know, David was the king whereby after he became king, all kings, if they did their job according to the will of God, the way they were, uh, it was made uh, known that they did their job according to the will of God was if they did it after the um, example of King David. Now, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? You know what that tells me? Your, the grace of God and your faith in God is greater than your sin. And when you put your faith in that power working in your life, I'm telling you, I don't care what you've done. It's all, it's, it's, it's as if it never happened. And when God looks at you, it doesn't mean that there aren't issues or things that may have, you know, changed. I understand divorce and, and things, different things like that. But what I'm saying is, You take up the will of God and redemption is all about being free from the very thing that's tried to destroy you. And when you believe in that, you make the best preacher. 
So here is David in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The, uh, he's, if you read 1 Samuel 16, Saul, uh, uh, Samuel has just gone over to Jesse's house and seen all the different sons. And the one, you know, he keeps thinking, oh, it's going to be this one. This one looks good, the first one, Eliab. But he said, no, God said, that's not him. And then God said, you know, she see, he sees David and David's just out guarding the sheep. And God tells him, he says, you look on people differently than I do. You see after the outward appearance, but I see their heart. So God saw the heart of David long before anybody took notice. And his heart was to go after God. And so now in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David has been anointed by Samuel to be king. But in 1 Samuel chapter 17, they have gone, gone out, uh, the people of God of Israel have gone out into the battle and the Philistines are against them. You may have heard this story before, you know, when I was growing up in Sunday school, we always called it, you know, uh, a da- <clears throat> uh, David and Goliath or, or the, how do we call it? The giant? David and the giant. But I always like to call it the giant and uh, Goliath. Because <laughs> the biggest guy in this story is not Goliath. The biggest guy in this story is the one whose heart is after God. Because the one whose heart is after God is the one whose side God is on. And so David is, is actually, it's, you know, I won't, I won't go verse for verse, but the, the Philistine army has come out against the, the people of God and Saul is still uh, their king and the one who is, is, is ahead of them. And as, he's come, as they've come out against the Philistine army, there's this guy named Goliath who's a giant and he's come out as representative of the Philistine army. And as he's come out, he looks, look at this, it says... Uh, in verse 8, he stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel and he said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you the servants of Saul, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 11, when Saul and all of Israel heard these words... Of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. What is it that that they feared? They heard the words. I'm telling you, you got to fight the good fight of faith. You got to resist the devil steadfast in the faith. And I'm telling you right now, if you take the fight out of faith, that means you are silent. And if you are silent, then the enemy will start talking. You say, well, I just don't want to be that aggressive. Well, I can guarantee you, you have an adversary, the devil. And if you will not be, uh, if you take the fight out of faith, you are going to end up somewhere depressed, dismayed, and afraid because somebody is talking to you if you're not talking to them. And it says, he, he, they were, uh, the, Phil- the Philistines, uh, the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now just listen to me. If you're in here today and you feel discouraged and afraid, you've been listening to the wrong words. I don't know 
who they may come in the form of, you know, the most well-meaning, most, uh, you know, well-meaning person. But if you are discouraged and afraid on the battle in fighting the good fight of faith, you are listening to the wrong words. And so here they are out on the battlefield and the king, Saul, and all the armies of Israel, they're all dismayed. Every single last one of them are afraid. And out on this battlefield, there are three brothers of David. And Jesse, it's kind of interesting if you read the story, David is actually back at his father's house watching sheep again. That's amazing. He's been anointed to be king. And as anointed to be king, he says, what can I do for you, Dad? Let me just keep watching those sheep. Somebody needs to watch them. I can do it. I'll do it. You know, it's amazing to me. Because the higher you go and the, the, when the anointing of God comes on you, it really does just make you a servant. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me once, what it's, what's it like to be in the ministry for 27 years? And I said, well, whatever you think a servant is, multiply it 10 times. That's what it's like. It's the most wonderful thing in the world to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a small place. It's the place where you get to see the greatest victories. And so David is out. You know, David, he, uh, Jesse, his father, asked him to go take his brother's lunch who are out there on the battlefield. So David just goes out, you know, to take the lunch to his brothers. And when he goes out there, I want you to watch this now. It says... Uh, <clears throat> Verse 23, as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistine, and he spoke according to the same words. Look in verse 15, it says, the Philistine drew near, presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Now, it's been 40 40 days. You say, why was it 40 days? I'll tell you why it was 40 days. Because for 40 days, nobody answered him. Say, I wonder how long the devil's going to have. I just hope he quits. Maybe, you know, he'll just stop. He ain't ever going to stop until you speak up in faith. You say, I wonder how long it'll last. How long will you be silent? 40 days, morning and night. But it says in verse 23, it says, but this time he came out there, Goliath, and he said the same thing. Just like an adversary. Isn't that what an adversary, a prosecuting attorney does? He doesn't need something, you know, something different to say. He just gets the same, uh, you know, just the same uh, accusing, nagging, uh, just that voice to try to condemn. And he'll just keep at it and he'll say it and he'll say it until somebody comes up with something to shut him up. That is exactly what the devil does. And buddy, I think it's interesting because watch what happens here. It says he came out and he said the same thing, but David heard them. Now listen, everybody out on the battlefield heard the same words. Everybody. But everybody didn't hear them the same way. Everybody heard the same words. You say, well, you know, if I didn't have to deal with so-and-so, if I didn't have to deal with this, if I didn't, you know, then I, I, you know, God really do something good for you. No, no, you're missing your opportunity to really, I mean, mark your life for a victory that will never leave you. 
The very thing that you're trying to back away from is the very thing that will set you up for a life of progressive strength after strength if you'll just do it and fight the good fight of faith. Do it in faith. We're not saying, we're not, we're not saying you don't have an enemy, you know, they know there are no problems. No, we're just looking at the problems differently. Instead of focusing on the enemy, we are focusing on the God who is with us against the enemy. So David heard these words. He heard the same words, the same thing. He didn't hear anything different. Listen, he didn't hear anything different. I could probably tell you things I know. You may think, oh, you probably never had to deal with this. I hope that's what you think. Because I'm not up here to testify for the devil. I'm not up here for to look, you look at me and to see me all beat up and battle scarred from all the little, you know, adversarial things the devil's tried to do. I'm up here as a testimony for what God has done. I hope you can look at me and think, boy, she must never have any problems. I hope that's what you think. Because I don't want to have the problems be my testimony testimony i want the the power of god against the problems to be my testimony i'm not walking around looking for somebody to pity me why because i know that that's not a place of faith that's not a place of faith listen to me you got to be strong in the lord you say but you don't know my problems you don't know your god And that's exactly what David came up on with on the battlefield. And as he came upon it, he heard these words. And, you know, then they told him, you know, hey, the the king, he said, if anybody would just stand up to him, he'll give him riches. He'll give you a daughter and, he, you know, no more taxes. And, you know, the king, here's King Saul. He's trying to find someone that he could inspire to stand up to this enemy. He's trying to do it with, you know, all kinds of ideas. Marry my daughter. Have riches, you know. And, you know, there is a reward for faithfulness but listen to me that's not what David was after if that's what David was after he would have quit a long time ago he wasn't after the riches he was after God's will the riches come you know Matthew 6 says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you if you put money ahead of God it'll show up real quick in your life It won't be long. You'll be out. It won't take long. Because there will be a test. And you won't pass it. We'll find out real quick what puts you first. Because whatever moves you will control you. And so uh, uh, David is, you know, he, he, you know, he hears the story. You know, the, you, you get his daughter, you'll get riches, no taxes. And so David starts saying, who is this Philistine who defies the armies of the living God? He's not looking at those armies as someone that are insignificant and small. He's looking at the Philistine as someone who is small. He said, we are the armies of the living God. God lives in us. He said, God lives in us. He doesn't live in him. He lives in us. Greater, we would say, 1 John 4, 4, you have overcome him. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater. This is the victory, 1 John 5 says. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Hallelujah. Who are you overcoming? You are displaying the defeat of your adversary. He's the one, John 10, 10, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
Actually, we have a good friend, Rick Renner. He's a Hebrew Greek scholar. He said the, that word there where it says the thief comes to steal, that word thief means klepto. Y'all know what a klepto is? That's someone who has a continual, I mean, you know, it just a... Uh, just continuing uh, habit and, and just uh, 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 the word I'm looking for. They just compulsive. keep compulsive. That's the word. Compulsive way of living to try to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil's compulsive about his stealing, killing, and destroying. He's compulsive. He's got to do it again. Got to do it again. Got to do it again. Jesus said the thief comes to steal. He's a klepto. Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. And watch this. He said what I'm giving you is more abundant than what the devil's doing. Woo, glory to God. So David goes out and he hears, he hears the same words, but he doesn't hear them the same way. He starts talking about the living God who is with us. And when he does, his oldest brother, Eliab, and if you read 1 Samuel 16, that was the first guy that, that came, Jesse brought. He thought he was supposed to be king. He apparently looked the part, but it wasn't what it looked like on the outside that mattered. It's what was going on in the inside. And you can bring, it shows up right here because when David comes up and begins to talk about the greatness of the God who is with them, Eliab challenges him. And he says, what are you doing out here? You ought to be tending those scrawny sheep of yours. That's what the message Bible says. Why don't you get over there with those scrawny sheep? What do you think you're doing out here anyway? You know what Eliab was trying to do to David? He was trying. He had the voice of an adversary, didn't he? Make sure your voice never lines up with that voice. He was trying to get David to move off of his place. And David was resisting steadfast in the faith. You know, I believe one of the reasons Eliab was so ugly with David is because he had been out there for 40 days, morning and night. He'd heard these words for 40 days and he had done nothing. Now David comes up and he's ready to do something. And all of a sudden his action, David's action, was challenging the inaction of Eliab. Sometimes people get a little funny when you all of a sudden say, let's believe for healing. Oh, come on, let's believe for healing. I believe Jesus is the healer. I'm going to speak. I want to pray the prayer of faith. And somebody who's been living with that sickness for a long time doing nothing just says, who do you think you are? Why do you want to do that? You know that I don't want to fool. What do you think you're doing that for? When they do that, I mean, you know, we're not trying to, you know, I I mean, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, cause family problems or anything like that. But at the same point, I remember a point in my family when my, you know, I went home to visit my family and, you know, I had some things said to me that really hurt. I mean, I went in the bedroom and just cried. And I remember thinking, you know, it'd be a whole lot easier just to... Listen to the voice of Goliath and just let him keep on talking. But something inside of me said, I'm not, I just can't listen to that anymore. I just can't do it. Now, not everybody walked out, but I knew I was walking out. And I found out something. If you'll walk out, it'll blaze a trail for somebody else to walk out. Somebody, you say, I don't want to do it by myself. Somebody's got to start the, the, the thing going. Somebody's got to get it moving in a different direction. You, instead of there being a family curse, you want a family blessing. Well, that blessing comes by believing God. 
And David stood up and he says to, to Eliab, he didn't sit back and say, okay, Eliab, you don't want me to do nothing. I won't do nothing. No. He starts saying, look, I'm just got something I need. Somebody needs to say something right now. And since I believe God, I believe it'll be me. And he begins to go to the king, Saul. And he says, you don't have to be afraid. He said, I'm here. Everybody's out there in big old battle array And here's little David in a shepherd's suit He said, you don't have to be afraid anymore I'm here That's the way a person is who believes God It's like somebody said If you believe God, there's no telling how far the blessing will go There's no stopping point He's just looking for somebody Who just believed that it's possible For God to use them For his plan and his purpose And David was that kind of a person And he got out there and he told King Saul He said, listen, this is not the first time I faced a challenge. He said, I got news for you. I faced a bear and I faced a lion and the same God who delivered me out of the bear, out of the, out of the mouth of the lion and the bear will deliver me. He starts talking about the victory before he's ever on the battlefield. You know, want to know why? Because he's already got the victory. He's not trying to get it. He's got it. He knows he's got it. That's how you resist him. That's how you resist the devil. You start talking about your victory, talking about your life, talking about the power, the strength of God. You start talking about it. You know, how many of y'all know who Muhammad Ali was? Do you know, how many of you know who George Foreman was? George Foreman and Muhammad Ali were having a fight. You know, and George Foreman lost. You know, not many people lost to Muhammad Ali. I don't even know if anybody ever lost. He was, you know, pretty much, the, he, they said that he well, was the... You got it backwards. Not, not many people lost. Muhammad Ali. Not many people. Isn't that what I said? That's what you said. Oh, I was just checking to see if you was listening. That's good. I don't know if anybody ever beat Muhammad Ali. He... I'm so confused. I don't know who beat him. <laughs> well, Muhammad Ali was known for his mouth. I mean, he would just talk. He would just talk. They said he would talk to people the whole time he was fighting them. Who is that? The, you, you just, you all, you just already, I can see you right now. I'm going to get you in the fourth round. I'm going to knock you right on the right side of your cheek. I'm going to put you out. You're going down. You're going down. You know, he just talked to him the whole time. And really, George Foreman said when he, when he fought him, he said, I was stronger than him. I was bigger than him. He said, I just knew that I was going to whip him. But he said, I gave him my best shot. I hit him. And he said to me, he's in the middle of the fight, he said to him, is that all you got? <laughs> is that all you got? And he said, I don't know. He said, I'm telling you, this is what George Foreman said. He said, he beat me with his mouth. He beat me with his mouth. Woo, glory to God. Now, I'm telling you right now, the devil knows how to talk trash. You better fight the good fight of faith. And David, before he ever, ever even slung a stone, look at what he said here. He looked at him and he said, he said to the Philistine in verse 45, he said, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand I'll strike you take your head from you and this day I'll give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air the wild beasts all and all the earth may know there is a God in Israel he said then all this assembly will know the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands there hadn't even been anything done but David's already talking the victory 
you got to talk about it. Let me tell you something. The devil will let, as long as you're silent, you're going to hear something that's going to discourage you and make you afraid. But if you'll begin to speak the word of God, something will start to happen. The very anointing and the power of God will begin to flow through you. And you might just look like a little shepherd boy, but you get out there on the battlefield and the biggest guy on the battlefield is not Goliath. It's you. You're the one who cuts his head off. You're the one who forever has a testimony of victory. You don't got it before you. You don't got it after you face Goliath. You got it before you face him. But you got to face him with that victory. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 No more wimpy Christians. No more wimpy Christians. No more wimpy Christians. You don't know what I'm facing. Oh, Lord, I just want you to cry with me. Listen to me. I might cry with you for a night, but I ain't crying with you every night. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Somewhere you got to get your joy. Somewhere you got to find a place to rejoice. I know sometimes it's hard, but in the very hardest place, it's the most important that you're not silent. If God, if the devil can keep you silent, you're going to hear some words from him that makes you discouraged and afraid. But if you will not be silent, fight the good fight of faith. Don't take the fight out of faith. Speak the word of God. Speak it boldly. Speak it strong. Speak it. Continue in those things. Don't just do it once. Make it your habit. James says he's a ha- the habit. He goes and he looks at the law of, li- of, of, of uh, liberty. And he continues therein. One translation says that's his habit. Somebody's going to talk to you. If it's not God, I'll guarantee you. It will be someone who's against you. Woo, hallelujah. I think that, I think that there is, have you received from the, the anointing of the Spirit of God this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I just saw this, and then we're going to break for lunch, but I just saw this. Uh, the other night I was crying about something, and, and, the, and, the, and I just heard this in my spirit. Get up, get up, get up out of bed, start dancing. Get up, get up, get up. Oh, and I was, I was boohooing. I wasn't just, I was, I was boohooing. And it's, get up, get up. <laughs> get up, get up. You know what to do. You know how to dance in the Holy Ghost. Get up, get up. So I got up out of the side of my bed and I just went, okay. And then all of a sudden I went, okay. And then all of a sudden I went, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe and you I need want to, you to do that right now. Yeah, maybe you need to do that right now. I want you to listen, listen, listen. And especially, especially, now listen to me carefully. Especially if you don't feel like it. You say, why are you trying to get me to do that? I mean, is there some special thing? No, it'll do something to you to get outside of your feelings. It helps you to focus on God. I want you to grab something. If you've got something, get a Kleenex, get something, get a towel, get a, pull your scarf off from around your neck. I want you to, when I tell you to go for it, this is, this is, this because uh, I had this thing. I had this thing that I was, that I was going to do was pray for people that had been down and, 
and with fear or timidity or things have been happening. And then I, and then I, and then as Lois was teaching, I saw this Ireland, it's time to get in the game. Countries all over the world have been getting in the game. Where Ireland, it's time to get in the game. It's time to suit up and get in the game. Ireland has been Ireland has been pushed back and pushed down by all kinds of things. And when she was preaching, I just heard this by the Spirit of God. You know, in America they have football. And boy, the guys in the football, they're just waiting. They're just waiting for the coach to say, Oh, get in the game. I'm sending you in the game. Basketball, I'm sending you in the game. What do you have here? Soccer? I'm sending you in the game. And I heard the Spirit of God say, you tell Ireland, I'm not just telling you, this church is set here in position over some things to prophesy and speak some things out of this church. And right now we're speaking out into the spirit realm. It's time to get in the game, Ireland. Get in there. Get in there. Play your best play. Come down here, come out in the aisles, and uh, dance in the Holy Ghost. Fear, no more fear, no more depression, no more bad talking, no more, oh, the devil's doing this. We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher, Speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries, thank you and God bless you.